a podcast featuring ordinary men of extraordinary faith. This is Mana. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Mana Podcast featuring ordinary men of extraordinary faith. I'm your host, Jeff Peterson. Now, none of the guys that you're going to meet on this podcast would consider themselves to be extraordinary, but it's their humble, holy way of living. It's exactly what makes them extra to me, and I'm excited for you to meet them. So, uh, when you do uh, these sorts of podcast media content things, and actually, uh, our guest uh, today and I were just talking about uh, this uh, off off air. Uh, a standard rule of thumb is that you're not really supposed to like like date these episodes, like saying things like "Today is Wednesday, November fourth, two thousand twenty," which it is. Uh, and the reason you don't say that is so that when people listen to this or when they find it, um, you know, they, the listener never wants to feel like they're late to the party or that the content is literally outdated. Uh, you know, you kind of want it to be a little evergreen and timeless. But uh, but I can't resist breaking that rule today because uh, as it happens, today's uh, daily reading uh, from, from what I, I read every day uh, from Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 18 uh, could not be a more perfect introduction of today's guest. So uh, while I guarantee anybody listening now, you are not listening to this on November 4th, 2020, because <laughs> I literally know the only people who are listening to it right now are myself and, and our guest. Uh, but even though you're going to be listening to this later, you will appreciate the very timely nature uh, of this of this passage. And, and I'm just going to take a couple of the segments of it. I'm not going to read the whole thing uh, from Paul's letter, uh, but it contains these words. My beloved, obedient, uh, uh, my beloved servant, uh, o- obedient as you have always been, do everything without grumbling or questioning that you may be children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. So I just so for all of you biblical scholars out there, you probably know I completely hacked that together. Okay, I made a little bit of paraphrase and made it sound like something that came right out of Paul's mouth. That is not exactly how it came out, but all the words are part of that passage. And and and, I, and as I said, I couldn't resist citing those words of scripture to introduce this man today, whom I've known in some way, shape, or form for now over thirty years, which is crazy. Um, but really, really got to know uh, this guy uh, over the last few years, and his inspiration to me has been a study in obedience to his college alma mater, which we share, uh, to his community to his family, to his vocation, and in doing everything he does without grumbling, evidenced by a very resilient career and career path, which started in college athletics administration and then morphed into communication and marketing and branding and, you know, disciplines that from my own experience, you know, I can attest are hard enough in sort of like normal business environments, but they're even harder in, in complex and complex when you are applying them to higher education, which is where he works. Uh, and seriously, like for any marketing hacks out there like me who, who are complaining about the challenges of marketing a $5 box of cereal, try marketing the much more expensive private liberal arts college experience these days. So this guy is a 
as, as whether he wanted to be or not, he is now a full-blown bona fide marketing and branding genius. His good nature, his patience, and his determined focus to doing what's right, what's real, and what is good is why he's been able to keep it up for this long. And I can't wait for you to meet him today. So welcome today's Mana Man, Mr. Tim Kennedy, TK. Welcome to Mana. Well, Jeffrey, what an honor and a privilege, and how kind is that? Um, I think that is the first time in my life that um, I've ever had the word genius around my name. Uh, <laughs> I, I think that that it was it sounded good. I, I just haven't heard it before, and I would say that uh, it was very kind of you to use it. So thank you. So great to have a chance to visit with you. I cannot wait for this conversation. Uh, I can't either. And and you 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 wear the genius moniker well. And so to give to give listeners a little bit of background, uh, just in case my uh, introduction there was a little bit too uh, poetic. So just to clarify, we met uh, at when I was in college at Gustavus. Uh, you, I was a student. You had already graduated from Gustavus, and you were working there. You were a worker um, in in the athletic department, um, and then. But then, uh, as, I, as I did know, you found yourself over the course of years uh, with Gustavus taking on various roles, uh, communications, marketing, uh, branding. I mean, and just this, this really, really cool, but, but very uh, unconventional path to what you're doing now, uh, which is essentially managing the messaging and the brand for you know, a school we both love so much and, and a school that means so much to people, not only from an academic standpoint, but from a spiritual standpoint, from a vocational standpoint. And so it really is just this this kind of a dream job um, to be able to, to introduce so many young people to such a great experience. So I thought we could kind of start with with kind of your, and we'll, we'll have enough time to get into you know, how you're raised and all that kind of stuff and role models. But let's maybe just start with, with Gustavus. Like how, how did you end up at Gustavus yourself as a student? And then, and then what kept you around? Because uh, it's got to be going on how many years now between is, students and faculty? Yeah. How, or well, how this is my 38th year as an employee, so 42 years overall. Wow, that's yeah. awesome. It's okay. hard to even say it. It's <laughs> surreal. So how did it happen? Let's go just kind of go back to kind of that, how you ended up there as a, as a, as a freshman and then kind of what kept you around all these years. Well, you know, it's, it's so interesting, Jeff, because, you know, for us to have this conversation too, because I, you know, I look back on my life and I see God's and Jesus's handprints just all over my life. I mean, I just, I, I had no business really kind of finding the path that I found, but other than the fact that this is where God wanted me and I said, yes. And so, uh, you know, it happened when I was in high school, um, all of these friends of mine were always talking about this amazing experience they were having at church. And I, and I just said, what's going on here? You know, can I come, you know, I want to be a part of this. And I mean, our family, um, five kids, mom and dad, blue collar, amazing parents. I mean, just, but church wasn't a big part of our life. I mean, my dad was working all the time to make sure we had a good life together and, you know, and so, so they said, sure, come, you know, and I started going to Trinity Lutheran Church in Moline, Illinois, and it just started having a blast. And this pastor there, Paul Olson, who was one of my mentors in my faith life, and as juniors and seniors, so beginning of junior, beginning of senior year, took 22 of us seniors 
to every Lutheran college from Texas to Minnesota. Wow. All of us, all 22 of us. Just ran up uh, 35, interstate 35. (laughs) We hopped in a van with a a sleeping bag and that's it. Wow. You know, and and over two summers and all 22 of us ended ended up going to a private Lutheran college somewhere from Texas to Minnesota. That is so cool. And so I'm going to all these places and I'm experiencing these really cool Lutheran colleges. I mean, it, it's amazing that, that what they've done. And, and so, but I walk onto the campus at Gustavus and it was like, it's like the waters parted for me. It was just like this. <laughs> yeah. I just felt, I mean, was, I never felt more calm in my life. I can remember that day, 43 years ago that I walked on this campus and I got, you know, of course there were no cell phones at the time. There was barely electricity. And and so, <laughs> and, and so I, I get on a phone line in the admission office and I call my mom and dad, you know, cause I just had checked in with them periodically. And I said, I found the place I want to go to college. And, and my mom goes, Oh really? And she goes, is it Wartburg? You know, is it Luther? Cause those places are close to my home. And I said, no, it's Gustavus Adolphus. And she goes, my mom goes, what what is that what is that even what is that and 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 i'll tell you jeff that and then so then they i said please just come and and my mom said no we don't want you seven hours away you know we just we're a close family so i said just come visit with me and i visited with them and when we were riding home my mom looked at me and she said this is one of the saddest days of my life so far i'm happy for you she said but she said, I can absolutely, you belong there. That's the place for you. Um, but I'm just so sad that you're going to be so far away. And I feel like she said this to me, and this was almost well, 45 years ago. She said, in my heart, I'm hearing that you're, you'll never be back, that this is where you're going to be. Wow. And, and it was like foreshadowing. I mean, I, I, and I was like, yeah, right. You know, I mean, and because I had all these hopes and dreams and all these different things. I mean, I went to Gustavus pre-SEM um, and that, that ended up disappearing in a hurry because I realized that faith was always going to be an important part of my life, but it wasn't going to be my life per se, yeah. professionally. Yeah. And then, you know, and then I, I walk in my first day of class, I, the very first day at Gustavus, I go to my P.O. box, which, you know, we all have these <laughs> famous P.O. boxes at yeah. Gustavus and yeah. I pull it out and it says that my student employment job is in the sports information office. And at the time, I mean, you didn't get to apply. They just picked you. Yeah. And I mean, there's no, no, I mean, and you know me, I'm a total sports geek. Mm-hmm. I know the rules for high lie. <laughs> I know, you know, I mean, every weird sport in yeah. the world. I like cross country ski racing, you know what I mean? I, and I love the sport and competition. And so, and a gentleman by the name of Steve Waldhauser, who became my mentor, and uh, basically changed my life. And so here I am. I end up at Gustavus for four years, and I don't want to take this too long. But then I, so I go for Gustavus. I graduate with uh, economics and communications double major. And for some bizarre reason, end up as the assistant general manager for the Quad City Cubs minor league baseball team. And then uh, from that, I meet a person there who says, uh, a, an incredible man of faith. And he says, hey, um, he was visiting his friend who was the general manager. And he said, I run this camp uh, for rehabilitating juvenile delinquents in Oklahoma. It's an outdoor camp, 100 miles from the nearest town. We bring kids who have committed a felony at the age of 14 and try and change their lives. 
And so for a year, I went and did that. And it was incredible. Down in, down in Oklahoma? Did you down in Oklahoma, down Tahlequah, wow. Oklahoma. Cool. And then my, my mom became ill. And my mom had a brain tumor and, and pretty much said we were going to lose her. And I had two sisters at the time were four and two. And so I went home and took care of them while my mom was in the hospital for six and a half months and amazingly recovered and is still alive at 85 years old. Oh. And, and then, but I started researching and saw that Western Illinois University had a graduate program in athletic administration and sports administration. So I did that for two years while I was taking care of my sisters. and. I needed an internship to graduate, and Steve Waldhauser called me and said, you can come here and be the sports information director for a year. So I came up to Gustavus to be the sports information director for a year, and 38 years later, here I am. So I didn't realize that you had that you were a little bit of a, 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 a Christian hustler here. I didn't <laughs> realize you were like a pre-SEM person. So let's go back to that. When did you realize, because I also want to go back to just having the, the self-awareness as a teenager to actually seek out a faith community when most of us, when we were teenagers, we were being dragged by the scruff of our neck to church and here you are seeking it out. So we're going to get to that in a second. That's fine. Let's, we'll actually do a little Benjamin Buttons here. Let's take it a little bit later. When so my bread pit? Exactly, okay, exactly. Right. <laughs> when did you realize in school that you didn't want to be pre-sound? I mean, you talked about how faith, you realized faith is going to be a part of your life no matter what, but but that I would imagine that would that would, that must have been a period of reflection and thinking, all right, well, maybe I'm not going to be a pastor like I thought. When did you, when did that enter your mind and how did you work through that? Yeah. You know, so it's fascinating because I, so I started, um, I, I started and looked at the Gustavus catalog and, and took these religion classes. You know, we all, we, at the time at Gustavus many years ago, and it still is a requirement, but it's a little different now that you had to take one. Actually, when I started, it was two religion requirements. Now it's one. And so my freshman year, I took the Bible. And I had Jack Clark. I mean, this genius, yeah. very well-known theologian. And, and I had him for class. And, and so I would go in and talk to him. I said, you know, Dr. Clark, I, I feel like I've gone to church. You know, I mean, I, 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 I'm a Christian. I've, uh, the, I've read the Bible. I, don't, I can't quote scripture. But I'm not getting this, man. This is really hard for me, and mm-hmm. and you know the way you're talking about it and the, and the history that you're telling me, it's you know. And I'm thinking that I want to be a pastor. And he said to me right away, Tim, if you want to be a pastor, he goes, you need to feel good about this. You need to feel like this is natural view because seminary is all about this. Yeah. And he said, I would think about this. I would pray about this. And I started praying about it. And this calmness came over me. It was like, don't worry about this. Don't, don't worry about being pre-SEM. Get an education. Relax. Let the world unfold in front of you. And I will lead you where you want to go. And I said, okay, take him. Go. And that's so I love that. I just it started happening. I mean, and he put Steve Waldhauser in my life, you know, and here's this gentlest man who is someone who is a consummate writer and faithful guy, but really humble. I mean, really quiet. And he just started mentoring me. I mean, I didn't ask him. I mean, he just started. And he was, other than my dad, um, 
who, who given my worth work ethic and my belief in family and community, he was that first early person in my life where I said, this is a good man. I mean, this is just a really good guy who cares about people. And he taught me how to write and he taught me how to talk on the telephone. And he taught me, you know, just these skills that I use to this day that are really important. That's so cool. Did you see, did you see, or maybe in hindsight, when you look at guys like Waldo and, and, and Pastor Paul and your dad, were there, so those are, you know, if you had a Mount Rushmore of men, <laughs> I think they'd probably be on it. Oh. I describe them. Um, but like, so are, when you look at them, do they have more in common with each other or did each of them, you know, you mentioned your dad really instilled the work ethic. Did each of them have unique things that sort of contributed to kind of this little bit of a tapestry of, uh, you know, kind of what it meant to be a good man, what it means to be a good man, or, or were they all, they all have similar kind of traits that you recognize like, okay, oh, yep. He's got that too. Well, which of the two was? What an interesting question to ask, you know, and you also bring up tapestry, which is fascinating because that's one of the things I had written down in my notes today, because I feel like that I am a tapestry that, that God has made and Jesus has made. And there's all these threads that have gone through it of all these people in my life. And these are three major threads. You know how you look at a beautiful tapestry and there's these colors, these major threads that go through it. And, and I feel like these would be three of like the bright, bold, you know, threads that are in it and, and thick, you know, and, and just really um, deep um, and strong. And so they're all very different. They, you know, one would be bright green and the other would be gray and the other would be like purple. I mean, they're just... Yeah. And, and Pastor Paul, what he did was he was this soft-spoken guy who just kind of let you, let you be yourself. He didn't, he didn't try and guide you or make you who he wanted you to be. He just accepted you for who you were. And he, he, he made me think deeply about things and, and how he would ask me, you know, well, why do you think that? You know, we'd be talking or we'd be on a trip. And a lot of times when we were taking those long road trips to visit colleges, I was the one who was sitting in the front seat with him while we were driving because I was so fascinated by him. And he would, he would never like quote scripture to me. He would just talk about, you know, well, how do you think about the way this group is acting together? Do you think that they respect in each other? And, you know, and, and I, I would have to think about that. And that was the kind of person he was kind of a deep thinker, philosophical guy. My dad, and I love my dad. I mean, he, he is amazing. But he is a simple human being. I mean, he he wakes up every day and he knows that what he's here to do is uh, skilled work. And, and that's he's passionate about it. And he was a plasterer. And he was really good at plastering, but it was a work ethic. And he had this family and he was so proud of it. And he just worked really hard to make sure they had, you know, enough to get by and that we were happy and, you know, could do fun things together, but worked really, really hard not a reader, not someone who, you know, didn't go to college, um, you know, but just a really good human being, always wanting to help others, saw a family in need, you know, he'd go fix their plastering or fix something in their house. He was really handy, never wanted anything in return. And then Steve Waldhauser was this humble man who was very well read and a literature guy and got his master's in uh, Western American studies and, you know, appreciated art and music and 
you know, it just so really unique. But the thing about Steve was that he just was so respectful of other people and caring about other people. And again, I guess the one thing that they all had in common, they never expected anything in return from people. I mean, it wasn't, they just, it was themselves to give and to serve. And that was something that really stuck out with me. That's so cool. What great, great role models. And yeah, when you're listening to you talk about your dad, I have similar kind of thoughts about my dad and then that kind of that saying that salt of the earth, you know, and, and uh, you know, and, and I never used to know where that came from. And that's actually a Bible thing that's from the Bible. <laughs> it's like all these great, you know, kind of adages that we have that we don't necessarily know go back to scripture, but they're there. And uh, I love that too. When I find those. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's so cool. So, so let's, so let's, uh, we're going to continue our, just one more, one more chapter in our Benjamin Buttons okay. younger as we go. So just back, go, going back as a teenager and not necessarily growing up with a, with a super formal faith tradition. You know, I just, I am so just it, I, it, admiring the, this, this wherewithal, this, this drive that you had to find it and to ask, you know, your friends about it. And so, and part of what kind of gives me the goosebumps thinking about it is how proud your parents must've been, oh. you know, and for them to not necessarily, you know, for whatever reason, not necessarily have that as tradition, which is fine. But then for you, for them to see you go off and prioritize that, I mean, they must've just felt like, well, <laughs> we did something right. <laughs> you well, know? But how did that talk a little bit more about how that happened and how maybe you just, what felt compelled to ask that? question you know of your friends yeah so fascinating you know because you know what's really interesting is we had i had been baptized and uh in communion and and uh you know in in the presbyterian church and in in rock island um which was my dad's family's church for a very long time and then we moved to moline and then you know and if you know the where i'm from the quad cities rock island and moline mm-hmm. davenport and bettendorf and iowa and, and and illinois and iowa right there on the line of the mississippi river so um, I, I start um, getting together and, and, and Jeff Rosenberg and, and Tim Gustafson, who Tim Gustafson is this longtime English professor at University of Minnesota, a revered, really well-known uh, high school friend of mine. And they were, you know, we'd be playing sports together or we'd be, you know, Tim was a really good guitar player and I loved hearing him. So I'd hang out and let him play. And he would talk about that he was playing at youth group and that, and then they would tell me, you know, I said, what church? And then he would tell me who, that every Thursday night and every Sunday night, they would get together. And Trinity had bought this old brick house, beautiful old brick house. And they just turned it over to the youth. Right when Pastor Paul came to Trinity and he, he let the kids design it and paint it any way they want and, you know, do whatever they wanted with this house. And everybody just loved going there. And they would hang out there until they got kicked out. And I said, that is so cool. I go, yeah. I go, I don't go to church a lot, you know, and do you think I could come? And they go, of course you could come. You come, you know, we'd love to have you there. I got there and there were these amazing kids. I mean, they just were so, they were having so much fun and singing songs and praising God and, you know, not in a, you know, a Bible banging kind of way. It was just very natural. Yeah. And Pastor Paul just kind of let it happen. And then he'd ask these key questions for us to think about, you know, kind of the end of the night. And he just, you know, and he, and he just kind of took a shining to me, you know, and he started talking to me and he said, he asked me to give a sermon in front of the entire congregation. And I was like, I wasn't even a member. Yeah, that's cool. 
And I saw. So he knew that you had it. Yeah. No, and so I asked my parents. I said, "Can I join Trinity by myself?" And it, it didn't sit really well with my mother. And she told me later that it just hurt her, you know, that it that I was the one that kind of, kind of had taken over that and done that, and she felt like she felt guilty that she hadn't done it. And 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 so we had a we've had some great conversations about this since then. And because my mother has a very strong faith. And, yeah. and so it was just something that happened. And then all of a sudden, you know, and, and another thing, just as we talk, and I know time's short here, but, you know, there's this saying, you've heard this, Jeff, you know, it takes a village to raise a child. Yeah. And I have seen this village my entire life and my faith life. I saw it at Trinity. I've seen it at Gustavus for the 40 years I've been here at Trinity in the congregation that I attended. Dee Swenson, who is the, was the administrative assistant in the athletic department came up to me one day when I was a real young sports information director. And she said, where do you go to church? I said, well, I'm not really going to church right now. And she goes, well, yes, you are. Because this Sunday you're meeting me at Trinity and you're going to, you're going to come to Trinity. And so I I walked down, I didn't have a car at the time. And I walked downtown and she was standing at the door waiting for me. And you know, that was 35 years ago. And uh, I've been a member at Trinity ever since. So I've had this incredible faith family. Uh, that that has mentored me in ways that that is just obvious that God has hands all over it. Very very cool. Well, hey, uh, we are going to transition uh, to the um, to not that this hasn't been fun. This has been forty minutes of fun, but now we're going to transition to the formally fun uh, segment of the uh, of the show. And so this is where I ask you and every guest the same three questions. You've had these in advance, and uh, seeing as how you do work at one of the most laudable uh, institutions of higher education. You've had plenty of time to come up with some killer answers. <laughs> so you've got colleagues you could have asked. You've got the library and all this kind of stuff. So we are we are waiting with bated breath to hear the answers that you're going to have to our three fun segment questions. So without further ado, fun segment question number one. If Jesus knocked on your door tomorrow and just wanted to hang out for the day, what would you do with him? Yeah, well, first of all, and I, I, th- I thought pretty hard about this, but and this is honest. I think, I, I think you got the wrong house. <laughs> <laughs> I think you know the P- Jeff Peterson lives next door, <laughs> right. uh, and and so you know, I mean, I, I mean, I would be uh, obviously humbled, right? I mean, and I know it sounds like the corny answer, but but it would be one. Uh, I can't wait, Jeff. I can't wait for the day if if I'm worthy and I you know, and, and, oh, that's God's decision. But if I am able to, to meet Jesus, you know, when I go to heaven, um, I, I cannot wait for that day. And so it would be unbelievable. And, and I, and I, so what I would say is this, I mean, and I thought there are all these places. And I also listened to the other people that you interviewed, what they've said, and I've had some really cool answers. And I didn't want it to be just cool. I wanted it to be, what do I feel? What would I do? What would I want to do with him? And Gustavus has been such an amazing part of my life. And there are right now so many young people who are just coming to Gustavus. And, and, you know, they're brilliant. They're so bright. But they're really struggling with mental, their mental health. And there are major issues. I mean, and I know people talk about it and I don't want to be a doomsdayer, but it's a serious issue. Our young people are not mentally healthy as a whole from what I've seen. And I would love to just walk around campus with him 
and talk to these young people mm. and just have them experience the glory and the the love and the understanding that just be okay with who you are because I have given you these gifts. And if you'll relax and let them happen, you'll be fine. Yeah. It's like and healing. Yeah, healing. Yeah. You know, just this, this chance to just for young people to feel this love and this confidence and, and that I don't have to be somebody else or I don't have to go 180 miles an hour and I have to prove these things to all these people and be an incredible musician and athlete and student and pass this test and get in med school and, you know, but just live and yeah. love and serve. Oh, wow. What a gift that would be. Just that peace would just be such a... The peace that passes all understanding, right, my friend? That's right. Awesome. Okay. Fun segment. Question number two. If you could go to church with any other guy, uh, living or dead, uh, and it can be someone you have known, or it could be a famous person, um, but you get to go to church with him. Uh, who are you going to church with? Well, one, this is really fun. These are these fun questions are really fun, and I had a lot of fun thinking about them. I, I couldn't decide on one. I had to decide on two. I've already said one, so I'm going to say my dad, right? Okay. Because my dad is just this humble guy who has dedicated his life to me and my family and our kids. And I would love to sit in church with him and worship, you know, just, and not that we haven't done it and don't do it, but the other one is, is a real clear one here. And that is this, God put a very, very special person in my life, probably about 15 years ago now, when I was the sports information director at Gustavus. And I, every two years got to hire a grad assistant. And this young man, I get this application out of nowhere, and his name's Nick Huber, and he's graduating from Luther. And he applies, and I interview him, and right away I know he's going to be an amazing sports information director. And so while they're working here with me at Gustavus, they go to grad school at MSU, and they uh, get their master's degree. And so I spend the first year with Nick, and I'm just, I mean, I'm he's revitalized my faith in my work, you know, because mm -hmm. being an SID is grinding and, and you can get burnt out. And I was getting to that point and I'd been here for a lot of years and, and Nick just, I mean, his enthusiasm and his humor. And I just, I was fired up about being an SID again. And he gets engaged and his, his wife to be is this amazing human being. And a week after he's engaged, we go out and we play catch outside on a beautiful day. And he comes in and his like right arm, he says, and it's kind of, excuse me, his left arm, his left hand, it's spasming. And then two days later, it's still spasming. And he says, I can't figure what's up going on here. And so I call a friend of mine who's another Gusty grad, Bob Gazzola, who's a doctor in Mankato. And I said, hey, Bob, could you just take a look at Nick? And, and all of a sudden he calls me back and he says, Tim, you know, this, this isn't right. Something's not right here. And after all these things and all this looking at him, he's diagnosed with ALS oh at the age of 22, 23, actually. One of the most devastating days of my life. I mean, I, 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 and I will tell you, Jeff, I'll be honest about this. I was angry with God. Here's a guy who had, he was humble, hardworking, had a great faith. It was at the peak of his, you know, just got engaged, all these reasons to be happy. And he's got ALS. And he's got five years to live, if that. And the next five years of his life were the most enriching years of my life so far. And, and my, my wife is amazing and my kids and my family. But the way I saw Nick 
live his life. And he came to me and he said, I know I'm going to die here now, but, but I really still want to live. And so I started calling around all these people and I said, I have this guy who's going to be the greatest SID. The problem is it's probably only going to be for a couple of years because he's got ALS. And I know there's going to be some health issues. And I know this. And a really good friend of mine called me and he said, let's interview him. And they interviewed him and said, he's one of the most amazing human beings. And they hired him. And for three years, he was this amazing sports information director. But that's, I'd like to go to church with Nick again. I'd love to sit in church with Nick right now and he's been gone for four years now and uh i would just love to sit in church and talk about how he's doing in heaven and how god has put each other in our lives and how it made my life change and for the better yeah gosh that's just beautiful and he was he was nick was an angel for sure he was an angel to you while he was here and now of course he's an angel to so many but that's I miss just- him. That is an amazing story. I love that so much. Oh my gosh. Um, okay. Uh, last uh, fun segment question. Sorry, I'm just going to kind of pull myself together here. That was, <clears throat> Me too. Um, okay. Uh, last fun segment question. Um, if you, and you've had so much opportunity uh, your whole life uh, over the course of your career and as a dad and everything, but if you could uh, give some advice to a young man, um, almost hearkening back to the date when we were talking about you and Pastor Paul all those many years ago, uh, about just living a life of, of faith, living it confidently, living it, you know, um, not overly feeling like you had to be overly zealous and, you know, you know, uh, about it, but just living with that kind of confidence, knowing whose you are, what kind of advice would you give? Yeah, this this one was this was amazing to think about here because um, there were a lot of things that popped into my head, and I, I wrote I had about ten things written down here, but I settled on one because and you just said it you just you just mentioned Pastor Paul. I would I would say surround yourself with faithful men. Look around at the men who are older than you, and and some that are your age, maybe ten years or more. What, what, what do you see in them? What impresses you about them? What characteristics would you like to have by the time you're their age? How would, your, how would you look, see yourself? And, and still live your life now. But you know, imagine the more mature man at that time. Be who you are. Live who you are. I, I, I don't want people to get older than they are. You have to live these experiences, I think, in order to really make your life rich and whole. But you know, I, I look back and you mentioned this about, it was really funny, Jeff, that you mentioned this, uh, the three main faith mentors that are men oh, in my yeah. life. Mm-hmm. I, I honestly, I can look back and I wrote them down and I stopped at 50 men in my life who I felt have mentored me and changed my life. That's... And, you know, I, people, some people you know, like Richard Elvey oh, yeah. and Dennis Rarick. Uh, I don't know if you know Grady St. Dennis. Oh, yeah. No, we graduated together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, John Noltner, who has this project called A Piece of My Mind. And Jeff Annis, who was the softball coach at Gustavus. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Brian Kunkel, who was the chaplain at Gustavus a few years ago and now is at Syracuse. 
Um, my first pastor at Trinity, the full senior pastor, Dick Dahlman, who just died two weeks ago. I mean, all these men. And so I guess my advice would be, look, and, and you know, this, this show is about men. And you know how, how much I, I've spent a lot of my life around women and have such an amazing respect for them. And my wife and my two daughters, and I coached women athletes when I was a head coach at Gustavus. And, but there are all these men, and that's why I talked about, I look back and I see, you know, how God has wrapped me in his arms and Jesus and just said to me, and put these angels and men in my life. And I would, my advice to them was be look for these men mm-hmm. and because they're there. And, and then when they, when that door, when they knock on the door, let them in. Mm-hmm. And that's the advice that I'd give. Oh, thank you so much. What a wonderful uh, time today, tonight. And um, I just, I can't thank you enough for being an inspiration to me and now to the, the folks who tune into this. I just, um, I can't thank you enough. Tim Kennedy. Thank you. Thanks for this opportunity. Thank you for listening to MANA. If you have any questions or recommendations for future guests, send them to manapodcast at gmail.com.